morning. It's great to see you here today. We're, uh, this is a second Sunday of 2020, and we are. We're going through a series on our vision statement. What does it mean to be a part of Baseline? Uh, and really, the, the, the theme is flourish, right? And, and that's my desire for each of you as your pastor is that you would flourish this year in, in lots of different ways, but mostly and first and foremost, that you'd, you would flourish uh, spiritually, that you would grow in your relationship with Christ. But then we as a church, what would it mean for us to flourish as a church? And uh, the scripture, the kind of anchor scripture for this series is Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. And it says this, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And I really have come to believe that one of the most important things we can do in our relationship with Christ is learn how to trust him more. And to do that is, means the imagery here is beautiful, is of roots going down deep into the soil and roots that are really connected with the, the water, with a stream. And, and my hope is that we would learn and grow understanding what it, mean, what does it mean for me to put my roots down deep into the Word of God. What does it mean for us as a church to have our roots down deep into the Word of God and into the, into the Holy Spirit? And that, that then is what will produce growth, and that is what will help us to flourish. So there's kind of the, our vision statement. It's not on your bulletin anymore. There's no room for it, so we're memorizing it, okay? So we're going to just, it's not that hard, right? So it, it's, um, you have to put it up there, Dave, for people. Here we go. It's God's vision for Baseline Community Church is to grow disciples who authentically follow Jesus Christ so that our communities are transformed, okay? Next week, maybe we'll try it without the words behind us, okay? We'll see how we do, all right? But just to remind all of us, this, is, this really was 10 years ago, the, the elder board and staff got together and said, what do we, who do we want to be? We really felt this is what God gave us as a church at that point, and that it really is about, um, about growing disciples, okay? And growth is organic. We really feel that no, that it's, more, it's less mechanical, that spiritual growth is different for different people, but it's to grow disciples who authentically follow Okay, we want to be real people. We don't want to always just be, hey, I'm great, everything's great, or we're struggling. We want to be able to tell some folks, hey, I'm struggling, I need you to come alongside me. But to, we would authentically follow Jesus, and that really is what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who follows after Jesus, sees how he lives life, and learns from him and learns what it means to be one of his followers, okay? That's what a disciple really is. But it can't stop there. It can't just stop here with me. It has to make a difference in the world. It has to make a difference in the communities where I live and in my families and communities even around the world. That's, that's what it's all about. So my hope is that as a church, we would do this. So then we're going to study the, our four core values, which are to worship Jesus, love one another, serve together, and share the gospel. Those are on your bulletin. So those are on the bottom of the back of this, where the sermon notes are. That's, those are still there. And that is that those are our core values. And last week, we talked about what does it mean to worship Jesus? And that's a great place to start. Is here's what it means to worship Jesus. And uh, I ended last uh, week's sermon with a quote from John Piper, and I'm going to put it up there again. 
Here's what Piper says. He had, he had been asked, what is worship? He wrote a long blog thing. This is his summary. The inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, being satisfied with God above all earthly things, and then that deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God overflows in demonstrable acts of praise from the lips and demonstrable acts of love in serving others for the sake of Christ. That that is what it means to worship. That worship, yes, when we gather on Sunday and it is so good to gather and have, be able to sing, that's that first thing, right? The praise of lips. But then also worship is loving other people and learning how to love and care for other people. And that is a part of what it means to worship. So that will flow nicely into what we'll talk about today because today's core value is the second one, which is that we are to love one another. Okay? And like Kyle said, or Jeff, one of them, I can't remember which one of them said, we had a sermon series over the summer, right, on the one another's. And there's a lot of them, right? So put those up there, all these one another's, right? We, we went through pray for one another, confess to one another, bear, forgive, encourage, admonish, submit, serve, be hospitable, greet, live at peace, be devoted to one another. We studied these last summer. And then I ended the series by talking about what does it mean to love one another? So we should have this down, right? Okay, but the verse that we always look at, and it's such a hard verse, I think. Verse, it's from John 13, verses 34 and 35, where Jesus says this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And I'm just so challenged by that verse. That, that I am supposed to love others as Jesus has loved me. And, and I mean, Jesus has loved me in such powerful ways, right? That he has loved me um, unconditionally. He has loved me sacrificially. He has loved me with an eternal type of love. And that I somehow, some way, am supposed to love other people that same way. It's a really difficult thing to think through. How do I do this? How do I actually live? And, and it's not like it's a suggestion, right? He says, so you must love one another. It's a command. And he says it's important to love this way because when people see others loving that way, it points people back to Jesus. They'll know you're my disciples. You will know that you are following after me when you love this way. So, um, just in case anyone's forgotten my main points from the message I gave back in the fall, um, here they are. Actually, I had forgotten them too, okay? Just so it's all right, okay? I'm like, I know I preached on this. What did I say? Oh, that's good. Okay, here we go. I said this. These are the five main points from the sermon. This first one is this, that, that God teaches us how to love, Okay? God teaches us how to love. Yeah, there's some great scriptures that talk about that, that God has actually teaches people. That, the, that so much in the scriptures are about how we are to treat one another, how we're to love one another. So ultimately, our knowledge of how to love each other comes from God. The second point was this. It's also a work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Right? That the first 
attribute listed in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is love. That when we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit's at work in our life, we will then learn how to love others. The third point was this, is that we love because God first loved us. This is all from 1 John. The main point of 1 John is that you are loved by God. And it starts there. But that we are then able to love others because he first loved us. The fourth point was off of that, that our love for others is an overflow of God's love. And you might remember this part because my staff remembers it all the time, is that I had a pitcher of water and a glass and I poured and it was an overflow and they thought, oh my gosh, he's getting the carpet wet. They were all taken up by that. But okay, so that's what. But our love for others is an overflow of God's love in us. And then the final thing was, then the key to loving others is to fully experience God's love daily. You know what, it's similar to what Kyle has been talking about, waking up in your first moment of your day, remembering that you are a child of God, remembering that God loves you, and then allowing that truth and that reality in your life then to allow you to overflow with love to others. So we should have this down. But the question is, how are we doing? Are we loving other people well? Are we doing it well? I mean, I, we can teach on it all we want. We can look at scriptures, I think, all the time. But, but, but in reality, we need an example of someone who loves others well. Don't you? You need an example of somebody anybody who loves others well. Take a look at this one. All right, Fred Rogers. So there's been kind of a renaissance of about around Fred Rogers recently. There was a documentary made in 2018 about him. There's a, a feature film that's out right now starring Tom Hanks about him. And, and, and um, so there's a bit of this renaissance about who he is. And there's a lot of articles and magazines and things like that that are talking about him. Because people are looking at our world today and are saying, man, we need a man like Fred Rogers to teach us how to love. 
So here's a little bit about him. I've, done, I've watched the documentary. I've seen the movie. I've read a bunch. So he's born in a small town near Pittsburgh on March uh, 20th, uh, 1928. Graduated from college in Florida, and he was a music composition degree. And he planned on going to seminary. Planned on going to seminary. But he came home around 1950, and he grew up in a fairly um, affluent house. And they had a TV. And he watched television for the first time around 1950, and he said, that's what I want to do. And he felt like that we could do better than what we're doing for kids on TV back then. And so he started doing a bunch of stuff and trying all these different things. And then he um, started working in television production, he even went to Canada and some things. But he felt like it was his calling. And in fact, Fred Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian pastor, minister. And here's what he says in an article that I read. He said this. He said, television is to be used for the broadcasting of grace through the land. Television is to be used for the broadcasting of grace through the land. So Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood debuted in 1966 in Pittsburgh and then went nation nationwide in 1968. There were 895 episodes, the last one airing on August 31st, 2001. And then a, a recent magazine article says this about it. It says, for the millions of adults who grew up watching him on public television, Fred Rogers represented the most human values, respect, compassion, kindness, integrity, and humility. And Fred would say it was all about love. It was all about loving other people. In 1998, a journalist named uh, Tom Juned um, was asked to interview Fred Rogers for um, Esquire magazine. And, and he is, was kind of a hard-hitting journalist. He had, he had just written an article on, I think, Kevin, Kevin Spacey that was not well-liked well back then. And people were a little wondering about why he's going to interview Fred Rogers. And he's doing this on um, American Heroes. And Fred Rogers was supposed to be just one part of this long article that was happening. So as they interviewed him, though, he became the feature of the whole article on what is an American hero. And so this began a relationship between this journalist, Tom Juned, and Fred Rogers that now is in the movie um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Tom Hanks. It's not a, it's not a documentary, but it is talk, taken out of his life. And there's some qualities, though, I'd say, from Fred Rogers that helps us learn what does it mean and how do we love one another. Okay, so just a little, uh, going to tell you here that, little warn you, uh, there's some, um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the movies. Okay, so sorry, all that. Well, spoiler alert, thank you, spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the movies. And these are the same qualities that Jesus has. Okay, so here's the first one. In order to love others well, you have to love yourself. You have to love yourself. There, you have to take care of yourself. If you are weary, if you are anxious, if you are feeling broken down, if you are worried about what's going on around you, it's very difficult to love other people. And, and so Fred Rogers realized that you had to take care of yourself. So here are just a couple of things about him. He went to bed at 9.30 every night. He got up between 4.30 and 5.30 every morning. 
He spent the morning reading scripture, journaling about it, and praying by name for person after person after person after person. At 5.30, he would go swimming for a mile. This was his routine every, every morning. Most afternoons, he would take a nap. Does anybody know Fred Rogers' weight? 143. What? It's 143. And here's the crazy thing. It's, it was 143 pounds for his, like, his whole adult life. I have no idea how he did that. Okay? I have no clue. I mean, that seems impossible to me. Okay? I, but, but here's what he, and he, he, every morning, he'd get on scale 143. But what he took that to mean is, is what Tony's saying, is that 143, I love you. He's, he's, that was who he was. And it was about this, he took care of himself. So the, other, the thing I want to encourage you about is this, that we as a, as a people, as a culture, need to slow down and ruthlessly eliminate hurry. So my daughter Julia gave me a book for Christmas called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I just started it because I only it was busy up until that time. So, um, so I encourage this. This is a great book, and it talks a lot. It's, it's written by a pastor, but it's about it's about our culture and how crazy we are with just filling our lives with all sorts of stuff. And it, and it's okay to be busy from time to time, but what happens is then you're your soul becomes hurried. And it's very difficult to love other people when you feel hurried. So the first thing I'd say from Fred Rogers and from Jesus is to take care of yourself. Love yourself well. Then the second thing I'd say from, from Fred and Jesus is this. Practice intentional empathy. Okay, so the journalist uh, Tom Joad was, was known again for writing these hard-hitting articles. Uh, Fred Rogers' managers did not want him to do the interview with this guy. He, they were afraid of what he'd do to Fred. They are afraid of what he might say about him. But there's a sense, and it's more in the movie, and it's a little bit through the articles, that Fred felt like he was almost called to care for this man. And he went out of his way to build a relationship with him. And there was this empathy. He, he had this ability to see people as they were maybe as a child and knew that there's, there's something that happens in people's lives that caused them to be wounded, that causes them to be hurt. And so Fred Rogers went after those types of people, people that were hurting and broken. And so it is, it's a, an intentional empathy for those people. He has a famous line that he, he says, to, reminding adults how to talk to children. He says, remember, you were once a child too. You were once a child too. Think through what they've gone through and what has brought them to this point and have this empathy that goes, your heart goes out for this other person. Uh, Tom Junad, the uh, author, says this. He says that Fred, he could talk to anyone Believing that if you remembered what it was like to be a child, you would remember that you were a child of God. That was his desire to help people realize who they were, that they were a child of God. 
So practice intentional empathy. Um, that can mean a lot in your friendships to, to, to sense when someone's hurting and when you need to come alongside them. It could mean a lot here at church, right? I've said that the most important moments for somebody who visits a church are the three minutes after the service is over because they don't know what to do and they don't know anybody. What would it be like if we practiced intentional empathy with people that visited our church and came alongside people trying to remember what is it like to be at a church where you don't know anybody? So practice intentional empathy. The next one is... um, to be present and to listen. Um, the movie with Tom Hanks, there's a spoiler alert, says, um, kind of starts out that in, in this, he starts out going, the author, the journalist goes to the set to watch, to interview Fred Rogers, but uh, Mr. Rogers is on stage talking with a little boy who has special needs in his family. And they've been talking for a while, and the little boy isn't really responding very well. And, and the journalist says, well, I'm supposed to interview him. And, you go, and the production manager goes, look, well, we haven't even started filming yet. He's been talking to this family for 45 minutes. And I guess that was typical of what would happen, is that whoever was there, whoever he was talking to, he had, they had his full and undivided attention. He was present with them, and he listened to them. I don't know about you, but man, it's easy for me to be distracted when I'm around other people. It's really difficult for me to actually be present. Sometimes I'm thinking about the past or I'm guilty about the past. Sometimes I'm anxious about the future, but so hard to be in the present. I mean, if Nancy and I go out to a meal and once in a while we'll go to a restaurant like a Chili's or something like that, and I don't know if you go to Chili's, but restaurants like that, they have TVs that have sports going on. So it's really bad when my wife is asked, well, how are you doing? Or something like that. And, and I'm talking, and then I'm looking, I'm talking, I'm looking. In order for me, I have to put my back. We have to be present with the people we're with. And, and, and Fred Rogers, was he was with those people. And not allowing us to be distracted, but to be present means that we're loving people. Okay, the last one is this. It's to accept people where they are, but invest in them for who they can become. One of Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers' lines is, I like you just the way you are. I like you just the way you are. I'm willing to have this experience with you. I'm willing to have a relationship with you. Uh, Junad, the journalist, realized through his interactions with uh, Fred and all the emails that went back and forth, this wasn't just an interview that happened and it was over. It was a relationship, a friendship that built, was built between these two men. But he, he realized that, um, that Fred Rogers wanted Tom Jonad to learn how to pray. How to pray how to connect with his God. Here's what uh, Jonad says. He says, um, he trusted me when I thought I was untrustworthy. A long time ago, a man, 
had seen something in me I hadn't seen in myself. That Fred Rogers saw something in him. Accepted him where he was at, as broken as he came, as, as calloused as he was. But he saw something in him and invested into him to help him become all that he could become. I think that's truly what it means to love. So love yourself, practice intentional empathy, be present and listen, accept where they are, but invest for who they can become. Now the danger here is this, that you'll go home today and you'll go, Pastor Don, and that's what some of you call me is Pastor Don, others of you just call me Don, some of you don't know I have a first name and just call me Pastor and all that, that's fine, but here's what it is. Pastor Don said, I'm supposed to love myself. I'm supposed to take care of myself. And, and it's true. Eliminate hurry. Care for yourself. But we cannot stop there. If we truly want to be a church, if we truly want to be people that love others, you cannot stop there. You have to continue and practice intentional empathy, be present with others and accept others. And it really, it, it, it is difficult to love people as Jesus loved us because it is ultimately a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice to love others. You're going to give something up. You're going to give up time. You're going to give up emotional energy. There's a lot, there, you're, you're going to give something up in order to love other people. So one day Jesus told a story. It's one of the best-known stories. Even people that don't know Jesus know this story. And it all started because a religious leader asked a question. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Big question. How do I get into heaven? Jesus said, you know the law. How do you read it? The man said back to him, well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But then the man, kind of trying to justify himself, said, well, well who's, who's really my neighbor? And then Jesus says this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho on a trip. It's about a 17-mile trip. It's a, it's a very windy, thin road. It's a dangerous road. And on the way, as he was going, uh, he was, uh, fell into the hands of bandits they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him dead on the road. But fortunately, on that day, a priest was coming by too. And a priest was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and walked right by there. But the priest didn't stop. The priest went on the other side of the road and walked right by the man who was lying there half dead on the road. He wasn't sure. He didn't know if he'd become unclean by touching a dead body. He wasn't sure. Maybe he was late for something, but he just passed by. But then a Levite came, and the Levites are those who help in the temple. They're sort of religious people too, so good fortune, he's coming along. But he goes on the other side of the road too and just goes past the man. Then finally, a, a Samaritan came by. A Samaritans really were enemies of the Jews. They're considered outcasts, but it says that the Samaritans saw the man and had pity on him and stopped and he bandaged his wounds, and he put oil and wine on them. 
he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he continued to care for him. The next morning, he said to the innkeeper, here is uh, two denariuses to take care of any expenses that we've had, and I take care of him, and then when I come back by, if there's any greater expense, I'll pay you then. And then Jesus asks this question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Be a neighbor. You see, here's the thing. Ultimately, to love others, the key is to be a neighbor. Be a neighbor. Which is really kind of a, a scary thing to say because most of us are really bad neighbors. <laughs> we don't know our neighbors. We don't know what it means to be a neighbor. And yet Fred Rogers tried to teach a generation of people, here's what it means to be a neighbor. Here's what it means to love others. That you care for yourself, you are intentional about your empathy, you're present with those people when they're there, and you love them where they're at, and you help them to become all that God wants them to be. So my question for this is for us. Can we love people this way? As a church, can we really love one another? Are we willing to make the sacrifice to love each other? Because it will cost us. To truly love one another is costly. But as Jesus said, when you love this way, you will point people to me, to Jesus. And that has to be what our church is about. Has to be. Let's pray. So, Lord, I mean, we know, we know we're supposed to love one another. We know, Lord, that we're supposed to give of ourselves to others. But in our day and in our culture, it is so hard to do. So I pray, Lord, that we, first and foremost, would truly be filled up by you, that we would truly be filled up by the love of Christ in our own lives, and then we would have all we need to give away. Help us to be intentional about seeking out those who truly need to be loved. Help us to come alongside those who are hurting and broken. Help us, Lord, to be present, to listen, and to love well. And it is only, it's only through your spirit that we can love this way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.